All right, it's Christmas, y'all. And uh, and I, I understand trying to get a jump start on it. I understand why folks do that, so take no offense at this. But Terry was trying to get us to put the tree up, like, early last week. And and I pushed back. Like, man, we, I mean, I know sometimes it's because I'm just lazy and I don't want to mess with it. But this really wasn't the case this time. I, I'm like, man, we got we to gotta at least eat the Thanksgiving meal. Like, like, let's do Thanksgiving, and then we can we can shift and move on to Christmas. But let's let's fully embrace Thanksgiving, right? I mean, like, we don't want to just skip over a holiday, which feels like that's what happens sometimes in the stores. You know, we're already talking about Valentine's Day. Like, man, hold on, we hadn't even. We had, I thought we were doing this one first, right? Uh, but uh, now that the time has started, right? It, it's December first, and we can we can start to to talk about Christmas a little bit, and the the decorations. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but they're just powerful. The, the things that we do at Christmas time that are intended to remind us, most of the time we, we stop and we don't pay attention. We just do it because that's what you do. And uh, I'm going to challenge you just to this, this Christmas season to stop for a second and think about it. I think one reason that it's powerful to us that the time that we lived a- abroad for a little bit, we, uh, we lived one Christmas in a place that was completely void of this holiday. And nobody recognized it. Nobody celebrated it. Uh, it was just nothing. And so there were, there were no lights on the houses. There were no trees. There was nothing out in the streets. There was just nothing, nothing. In fact, um, one, uh, one Christmas, we had some presents coming uh, shipped over for the boys for Christmas. And they got caught up in customs. And so I just remember a, a Christmas Eve day spending the whole day in the customs office with a throwdown with the people in there to get my boy's Christmas presents out. I mean, I felt like Santa, like, man, all right, we're going to throw down and get these gifts to my kids, man. We can't miss the day. Can't hold them up, you know. And, uh, and that day, <laughs> that day, no joke. At one point, this guy comes out and he says, hey, since you're here and we thought that you might have the answer, we, we'd ask you this question. You know, this time of year, we get all these boxes and when we're, when we're looking through them, there'll be these big, like big socks. But there'll only be one of them. And we don't understand, what, what's going on with that? I mean, I think they really thought there were just a bunch of big, fat-footed, one-legged people out running around like that needed socks, just, but only in December. That was the only time they needed it. And uh, no, but th- that, that Christmas that there was nothing, and, you know, we had our little makeshift tree, and we'd be Skyping back to folks stateside and see all of their decorations on all of Christmas, and it felt very lonely. Um, one morning, and I think it might have been the Christmas Eve morning, um, in the morning, about sunrise, there would be loudspeakers over the city that would either be the call to prayer for the Muslim community, or there would be uh, just these worship songs for the Hindu temples. But it would always be one or the other, and sometimes warring with one another. And this morning, about the time that that was supposed to start, you know, slowly I started to hear it, and there were these these Christmas carols that started to play over that same loudspeaker. And I don't know who did that that morning, but it, it just totally lit my world up. Like, man, that's what I'm talking about. The Savior of the world has come, and it's being proclaimed on these loudspeakers, and it just got me jacked up to be in a, a place that felt so far removed. And yet it was still very, very true that, that the Messiah has come. You know, it was really cool to celebrate it. 
you know, one of the things that we do, we watch these movies, right? There's this, this group of movies, and, uh, and it, it has to be a pretty good one to make the cycle where you watch it every year. You know, some new ones will come out, and you're like, that's good, but is it going to make the one that they just put it on rerun for 10 days? I don't normally watch movies over and over again, and so it's interesting to me because it really is. These Christmas movies, I'll watch it at Christmas. I may watch it twice this season. I won't watch it again, but sure enough, man, they'll start coming out after Thanksgiving next year, and I'll be like, oh, man, I got to watch it. I, I mean, I know exactly I can quote half of it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch it again. And, uh, and if you think about it, they've all got some themes. One big theme is, man, family is important. Let's, man, let's, let's give a focus. People are broken because they're looking at other things. And, man, they just need to be focused at their relationships and their family. Like, like that's what really matters. Um, but then the other thing is belief. feels like there's this really strong message that, man, you just, you just need to believe. And if, if you'll believe, there'll be these miraculous, you know, supernatural, uh, magical things that will happen if, if you'll believe in these, these little people with pointy ears and a, and a fat man that can fly. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the world. And now we'd all agree we're not, <laughs> I'm not promoting that belief today, but I am thinking a little bit about this idea of how deeply we believe. I've been thinking about it lately just personally, and I've been in a lot of conversations about, do, do we really believe this thing? Uh, I think it's worth throwing the question out, you know? Do we believe in this all-powerful, mighty God who is holy and pure and yet loves us so incredibly that he would sacrifice his only son that we might have life and be made right with him? I mean, do we, do we believe in, in that God deeply? And if we upped the level of our belief even just a bit, what would it change? What would it change in your life? What would it change on the planet? What magical, miraculous, incredible thing might happen if we just believed a little bit more deeply? And we're going to start today looking at this encounter that, that Mary has with the, the angel Gabriel, where he comes and he tells her what's about to happen to her. And I'm just going to read it for us. And um, it's interesting to me that this story is Luke chapter 1, but the section right before it, this angel Gabriel makes a visit to another person, this, this priest named Zachariah, who's married to this, this lady Elizabeth. And they, uh, they've wanted to have children, have been asking God for children their whole life, but uh, she's barren, and um, he's, he's a priest, and he's in the temple, and he's, he's burning incense and giving worship unto God, and he gets visited by this, this angel, and this angel says, hey, uh, Elizabeth's going to have a baby, and, and Zachariah's like, what? How, do I, how can I know that? How, how, how can I believe that? I mean, I've been... We've been praying and seeking for this thing our whole lives, and, and it's not there, and we've pretty much given up now, and now we're old in age, and how is that possible? And basically uh, not believing, and the angel says, because of your unbelief, you're muted till the baby's born. You'll walk out of here, you're not going to be able to speak. And then right after that, we have the story of Gabriel and Mary. So let me read it for us. Uh, read along with me if you like, Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent 
uh, from God to the city to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, "Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you." But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what to- what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary." For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive uh, in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there, uh, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with uh, her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. A few things I want to bring out here but and just make some observations of. But the first, this, this last part where it talks about Elizabeth and, um, and this kind of back, back to Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah, that she's now in her sixth month. The one who was called barren is now with child, for nothing is impossible. Let's think about this couple for a second. You've got a, you've got a priest, says uh, in that earlier part when it talks about this couple, that they were righteous and upright and had, had done things right. They're in Jerusalem. All the things that you would expect for a visit from, from God, Right? The priest, he's in the temple. He's in the place where that should happen. A couple that that should happen to. A couple that's been asking for this for a long time. And, and now they're going to get the thing that they've been seeking God after. All of the things that, that would be expected with that couple. And then now all of a sudden you've got this young girl in a place called Nazareth that we're going to look at was really unexpected. And a promise that doesn't may may sound uh, great, but for this girl at this time and her place wasn't necessarily a good thing. So let's look at it. First of all, it says that she was in Nazareth, this unexpected place. Nazareth was uh, was a part of the northern region of Israel that was called the Galilee of the Gentiles, one of the most irreligious, uh, despised places in all of Israel. And the reason is because it was, it was so far from Jerusalem that it was really difficult to get down to Jerusalem to worship. Um, the Romans had a, had a garrison there, so there were a lot of foreigners in the city. So you had to trade with those Gentiles. And so the rest of Israel just looked upon Nazareth as kind of that, that place, that dark, despised, small, unknown place, you know, the place that you just you don't necessarily want to go there, to the point that if, uh, if you look in the Gospel of John, when when Philip goes to Nathaniel and says that the Messiah has come, he's from Nazareth. Remember what Nathaniel says? He says, nothing good can come from Nazareth. It's not possible. 
Now, I don't know if you're from a small town like that. I, I am, and I get made fun of when I tell stories from the small town that I came from. And uh, I, I used to think before we moved up here, I, I'd be talking to folks and just think, I just assumed that everybody had the same experiences. And then we were out to dinner with uh, the Loftons and the Harrises, and I looked over at Cass. I told a story. I looked over at Cass. I said, you know what I'm talking about? And Cass said, nope. <laughs> and furthermore, most of the stories you tell, I can't, <laughs> I can't connect with. I was telling somebody the other day about the day that Terry and I got married and uh, how the groomsmen and I were tired. I, Man, get a little bit anxious before the wedding, so we kind of kill some time. So we just went out mudding for a bit, you know, thinking that that was just normal practice too. And found out, well, what if you got stuck, or what if you? Were... I don't know what we were thinking. We just did it because that's just what you do when you. Um, but I, I had some good things have come from the small town. I just look around Northwest Arkansas, and there are several people who are from our little small town. Uh, we got a few here at the Grove that you just you would never expect would come from a place like that. Well, this place, Nazareth, was the place that you wouldn't expect anything to come from. And even though uh, the prophet Isaiah back in chapter 9 of Isaiah says that it's this Galilee of the nations, this Galilee of the Gentiles, that's the place that this light is going to shine in the darkness. This dark place, the light is going to shine. What does it tell us about our God? That he would bring the Messiah from that place, from Nazareth. Not from Jerusalem, where it would be expected, but from the the Galilee of the nations, the Galilee of the outsiders, the despised and rejected place. That he would send the light to the darkness, not to the place that was already lit. You know, when we talk about belief, and like I said, some of the conversations that I've had lately and in my own heart, I think one reason we struggle in belief uh, in God is because we don't really know who he is. And we're frustrated with him not being the God that we want him to be, that we're trying to make him to be, the God that's in our image. He's not doing the things that we think he should do. And so we get frustrated and we struggle in belief because he's not acting as he should, as we tell him to do. We get this picture of of this guy that would go to Nazareth, and we almost expect, most people expect that he would go to the clean place. That's one reason Nathaniel's like, nothing good's going to come from there. We expect him to come from from this place, to go to a guy like like Zechariah, who's the priest, to do it it in that clean way. But to, to go to the dark place? One of the things we have to recognize about the real God that really does exist is that he goes to the the lost and the hurting, the people who have answers. He doesn't come to bring answers. He brings answers to the people who have the questions. That's the true God. He goes to the place for the outsiders. That God wants to be known so much that he sent his son to us so that we could know him. That God is a God I want to know and believe in. But we struggle because a lot of times he doesn't fit our paradigm. The second thing, man, he comes to a really unlikely person, this this young girl in in Nazareth. You know, again, Elizabeth, they've got a and and Zechariah, they've got a lifetime of of doing things right. They've got a track record, you know, almost have earned maybe this blessing. And you've got this this young girl who, you know what? She's just a young girl in a small town. 
God would visit, would visit her. And I know, notice the way that she responds to it too. He, he comes to her and he says, hey, oh, favored one, the Lord is, is with you as if she should be really excited about that. And it says that she gets really scared, wondering what in the world he means by that statement, that the Lord is with What's going to come after this? The Lord is, is with me now. Now, why is he with me? <laughs> what, and what does that mean that he's with me? You, you can tell she's, she's shaking a little bit. It reminds me, you know, sometimes when a blessing comes, some blessings look really different than others. There was this, this Christian artist a few years ago that I used to listen to, and... Um, he, uh, one time he's, he's kind of talking before one of his songs and he struggled with stuttering. He would, he would stutter when he went to speak, but as soon as he would start to sing, it was just clear and he would never, never skip a beat. But after concerts, he said routinely people would come up and try to, try to pray for him that he would overcome this, this problem of stuttering. And so he got used to it and he said, man, I always just welcomed it every time. If somebody comes up and wants to pray for me, I'm all right, I'm going to pray. But he said one day he was kind of walking out and this lady kind of yelled, this elderly lady kind of yelled in a real kind of mean voice, hey, stop there, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, oh, joy, what a blessing. <laughs> Made me think about it, man, oh, joy, like what, what blessing is this? And as he goes on to tell the story, she actually as they're praying, she reaches up and she says, stick out your tongue. And she grabs his tongue and starts to shake it. Loose that tongue. Loose that tongue. Man, he said his only memory of the occasion was that it was really salty. Uh, you almost get that feel like here's Mary and this blessed, the angel has come and the blessing is here. Oh, joy, what is, what is this blessing that the Lord is with me and now something's fixing to happen? And then you look at what the blessing is. I mean, I've, I've written here, I mean, an unwanted blessing. I mean, this, no doubt, let's, let's be clear. I mean, this is the blessing. I mean, this is the, the Savior of the world. The Messiah is coming, and, and you are going to be the, the mother. My goodness. But, you know, we make that, like we talked about with, uh, with Esther, we try to sanitize it and make that really hunky-dory and beautiful, but think about this for a second. I mean, this, this young girl who's engaged to be married in this culture is going to now be pregnant, which means, I mean, social suicide for her and her family, right? Which means this man that she loves, that she wants to spend her life with, now that's going to be in jeopardy. What's he going to think? This blessing that's coming upon her, man, I, I don't know. But in the short term, that doesn't look very, very nice. And if we're just looking at the occasion, we're going, man, what's good for Mary? We might step back and say, man, this doesn't, this doesn't look all that good for Mary. If the guy that, that we're trying to believe in is a guy that has Mary at the center of the equation and is trying to work all things together for Mary to be happy, this may not be a good play for him. And so sometimes in our life when it doesn't look that way because we're in the center and God doesn't seem to be making everything about us and doesn't seem to be doing all the things that we're telling him to do and we get frustrated with that and then we start to struggle in belief, maybe it's because that God doesn't exist. The God that exists is not trying to make everything perfect for Mary in the short term. The God that exists is trying to save her soul so that she can know him and be with him for eternity and not just her but, but the planet. 
it, this story, uh, it made me think about Jesus' first miracle. You remember that one? He, he turns the, the water to wine at a wedding. And I studied that not long ago. And it's just a really interesting story. I mean, here you've got Jesus. Obviously, his mom had been around him enough to see that he had some miraculous powers. You know, I don't know if he stood on the bathwater or parted, parted the bathtub or made, made the M&Ms endless. I don't know what he had done. But some, something had happened that, that she knew, but nobody else knew that, that he had these, this power. And so they're at the wedding, and she looks at the situation and there's this family who's throwing a party, this, and it's a big deal that they have enough wine for the whole party, and they're running out. And she looks at Jesus and says, do something about this. And he says, moms, not my time. She said, boy, do it. And he says, yes, ma'am. And he, he does it. And they remember the, wedding, the host of the wedding says, man, why do you bring out the good wine at the end? I mean, he doesn't just do it. He does it well. That day, he did this miraculous thing to salvage the reputation of this family in the community. This day, he does this massive thing through Mary, and the results for her is going to be social suicide in the short term. Think about that. That's the the real God. This blessing wasn't necessarily uh, a good thing for her. And then there's this, this unstoppable God that's revealed in the story. Gabriel says, hey, this has happened to Elizabeth. She was condemned barren. They were in their old age. So much so that you, you get the idea with, with Zachariah's response of, hey, there's just, how is that even, how can I even believe that? Because they've struggled with it for so long. And if you've struggled with infertility or you know somebody that has, that's part of our story. I mean, that struggle of praying and seeking God for a child and that child not coming, and that, that, that struggle is hard. And I can't imagine this. I mean, you could, a lifetime of asking with no answer. And now, now Elizabeth is pregnant. Now, again, just... Uh, I mean, that means that for Zachariah and Elizabeth, they had been asking for this thing, and it ends up happening, but not in the timing that they thought it should, in the timing that God wanted it to, for God's purposes. And in God's purposes and for his glory, their good found their way into the middle of it. But if it was just about them being happy and having a child, God missed that one, I guess. But maybe God was doing something bigger. And so this unstoppable God, it says nothing is impossible for him. Do you believe that? And I'm, not, I'm really asking, like, do, do, you, do you really believe it? That our God is, is that big and that powerful that nothing is impossible. And we could start throwing out things this morning. You could all get out a sheet of paper and write down that thing that you've got going on right now. And probably it seems impossible. It's not. Nothing. No matter how big the mountain is, no matter how big the wave is, that seems like it's going to crush you, 
nothing. God is working, but he may have something working that's even bigger than you can imagine or that you can see that your eyes, that your perspective can view. Nothing is impossible for him. You know, as we roll through this Christmas season and we're being encouraged to believe in in the fat man and the elves, every time that comes up, I'm just going to challenge you to take a second and stop and ask yourself the honest question. I, I don't care about that, but do I really believe in the unstoppable God of the impossible? And the last thing, Mary's response to this is absolutely incredible, y'all. You know, Zachariah's response was, man, how can I even believe that? Mary's response at first, she's also afraid, and she says, how is this possible? I mean, give me some details, because that, that doesn't sound physically possible. Like, how, how is this going to go down? Gabriel gives her the answer, and then she says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. As you've said, let it be done. I am a servant of the Lord. I, I yield. I don't exactly get my mind around what I was going on here, but I yield. And what you want to be true, let it be true. Yeah, this is the place when I think about the belief in the, in the true God. It's really important for us to to stop and to recognize that he may be doing something that's bigger than us and not to try to put him in a box that looks like we think he should look. This, this happened uh, early, early uh, for me, right, uh, right out of college. I had a good friend that, that passed away. I've told you that story before. And, um, and then a few years later when our first child, Caleb, was born, the, the church that we were at, I got to, uh, to just kind of say a prayer over him. And I remember as I tried to write the prayer out for our first child and what I would ask God to do in his life, that I had to stop and come to the conclusion that his days may be many, but his days may be few. Because I had just had a friend that didn't make any sense to me that God took him home early. And I had to submit to I don't know what, God, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do in this boy's life. I don't know. But my prayer is that you, would, that you would take his life and that you would gain all the glory that you can out of it. That you would draw people unto yourself, that you would have all of his heart. And I know that in the middle of that, whether his days are many or whether his days are few, I know in the middle of that, that his best for him is in the middle of you having your way and your will to accomplish your purposes for your glory. Do you believe that? God is doing something much bigger than us, and our best finds its, its best place in the middle of his bigger purpose. You know, at the end of uh, Christmas vacation, you got Clark and you got the whole family And this beautiful thing happens. He has finally come to the end of himself and decided that the lights being perfect isn't the answer. And the turkey being perfect isn't the answer. And the family all being happy all the time 
isn't the answer. And having the Christmas bonus and getting the pool doesn't solve all the problems. So he has this picture of Christmas that looks real like, man, these, these are the things that I really want. And he's really frustrated because none of them are happening. And finally, he got help from his cousin. Finally, he gets to the point that he goes, you know what? It's not about that. I cooked the turkey for the first time this year, and I was really scared that we were going to cut into it. It was just going to go. I kept on getting that vision the whole time I was cooking. Like, that's, that's going to happen, and it's going to be really embarrassing, but I got to just yield to it. But, but you see this moment where he yields, and he, he realizes it's not about that, and it's about this people, the people in this circle. You see this picture of Mary that she, she yields, and she says, you know what? I don't exactly understand what's going on here, but I know that you are mighty and you are my God, and I submit and believe. And it's not the way that we would expect it to look. So if you've been walking along and you've had this God that totally would come to the priest in Jerusalem and totally in that clean, holy place, you know, would, would do this awesome thing. And, and this couple that's been begging him for a child for years, that he would, he would answer that prayer. And all of that totally makes sense because they deserve it. And that place makes sense. And then you're introduced to this guy that goes to Nazareth, to this, to this young girl, and does this thing that in the short term isn't comfortable for her, but in the long term is incredible and impossible. Maybe you need to accept that this is the the real guy that exists. He provides the wine at the wedding and he also gives this version of a baby boy and changes the world. So we're going to take the next few minutes and I'm going to ask you just to think more deeply about that and ask yourself the question of, of true belief. There's uh, the chance to sing together. There's a cross back in the back that you can pray, communion. There's also some of our missionaries that are up on the, the wall there. And um, this week, I'm going, to, I'm going to get the chance actually this afternoon, tomorrow, to leave and uh, to go to Thailand to be with a lot of those folks and uh, to take encouragement from you guys to them. So I'd ask you to pray for them and pray as, as I travel to go do that. But it's incredible. I mean, their stories of the hardships in the short term because they believe that this mighty God loves even the ends of the earth and the, the Galilee of the Gentiles. But that's the God that they worship, and so they're, they're willing to proclaim him. Um, these next few minutes, think about yourself. Is there a way in your world that God wants to do that? So take this time and make the most of it. Let me pray for us. Father, I confess that I, I like to look at my life and kind of make you into my image, uh, expect you to respond to things the way that I want you to or to do what I think best and really to kind of put myself on the throne and uh, ask you to just serve my, my desires And I ask you that you would remind me and enlighten me to see you as you really are, your throne, the almighty 
God of the impossible, who has made it possible for me to know you, who loves me dearly and is working something much bigger than I could ever imagine. And to take lead from this young girl who, instead of arguing with you, instead of not believing you, who would just yield and trust. I want my life to be marked by that, yielding, believing, and trusting. So, Father, please do that in us this Christmas season to your glory. Amen.